Welcome to The Power of Stories, a podcast by women, about women, and for women. Their voices and their stories. I am Sharon Catherine D'Agostino, a passionate advocate for the empowerment of women and girls everywhere and the founder of SayItForward.org. And I'm Yodit Kifle-Smith, a creative dedicated to making sure the voices and stories of women are heard. I have the privilege of working with Sharon on SayItForward.org to do just that. In this podcast, you will meet courageous women from around the world whose unique path to empowerment will leave you encouraged and inspired. We're excited to welcome medicine songwoman Brenda McIntyre joining us from London, Ontario in Canada. Known by her Indigenous name, medicine songwoman, Juno-winning artist Brenda McIntyre is a mixed Blood Creek keynote speaker, singer, and healer. Brenda's signature medicine song healing and reading sessions, keynotes, workshops, and program help women living with grief, trauma, and chronic pain to heal and enrich their lives. Welcome, Brenda. Thank you for having me. Wonderful to be here. We're thrilled to be talking with you today, Brenda. And I heard you say in one of your videos that you are a song catcher. What does that mean to you? Honestly, when I started doing my singing and songwriting, it really was songwriting. I was writing the lyrics. I was sitting there brainstorming. And I still kind of do a little bit of that with my more like reggae soul kind of those tunes. But what started happening, I had a a healing session with uh, two Indigenous, I just call them grandmothers. They did uh, a healing session for me when I was really just starting on my healing journey after leaving the last abusive relationship I was in breaking that cycle and moving to a women's healing, Indigenous Women and Children's Healing Lodge in Toronto. And when I moved um, there, we we had programming, we had elders come, we had healers and, and practitioners and, I don't know, teachers come. And so I was soaking it all up because I wanted to heal. And when these women came, they did a circle for us first, and it was so amazing. And then they said, you know, anyone who wants to have a, a one-on-one with us, we can do that for you. And it was free. Uh, and at that point, I didn't have any money, you know, really to speak of. So that was exciting and amazing for me. So I took them up on it. And the best thing I could have possibly done for myself, I must have gone through like all of those years of grief in those moments. Like it just all poured out in that ceremony. You know, I thought we were done. I was just like, wow, that was incredible. I'm sitting down. I'm thinking, you know, they're just giving me time to sit down. But no, one of them comes over with her drum. And uh, she says, I want you to sing until you're done. At that point, I didn't really know what I was doing. I had no songs in my memory. That was, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to sing. And I know she doesn't mean like reggae <laughs> or blues or whatever, right? Or house music. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I'm just going to have to sing whatever comes then. And that was the first time I did that. That was the first time I, I literally caught a song. Folks who are not really in the spiritual kind of realms, so to speak, um, ask me that question. I'll say, it's like that saying when you go, oh, yeah, it came off the top of my head. That's what happens. It's like I have a cloud of songs up above my head and one will come down, another one will come down. And so uh, for me, it's, it's the act of deep, deep presence and listening and spiritual connection. And then I sing what I hear. 
lyrics and that is the most powerful uh, songs that come through when they come through that way. When did you start singing in front of other people? That wasn't until I was 17. Yeah, I, I was terrified to sing in front of anyone. I was extremely shy and really felt silenced. Like I felt like no one could hear me. No one wanted to hear me. And I made friends with this wonderful person who moved sort of kitty corner to, to the place that I moved to in Vernon. And uh, she had a horse and I love horses. <laughs> so I, I was like, this is my dream come true. Who is this girl? That's the girl from English class. I'm like, oh, this is exciting, right? And we ended up going horseback riding every weekend. And she just happened to be a piano expert. And then it just happened that her boyfriend and her had a band. And it just happened that all her friends were musicians. <laughs> so, you know, I ended up hanging out with all these musicians that are going to parties or, or really mostly dances where, where there were live bands. And most of the time it was our friends playing. <laughs> so she kept kind of coaching me along with uh, the piano and getting me to sing with her and stuff. And she was... Uh, one of those people who notices your gifts and, and will try and bring them out. One night, her boyfriend's band was playing. He was the drummer. She was uh, doing keyboard. She's like, come on, come on up on stage. And I was like, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I got up and I sang. And it was the first time people, like, I really noticed that people are actually listening to me. Mm. And it was a real eye-opener. But also, you know, I, I, it was the first time also that people had heard me. Like most of my friends didn't even know I sang. I was getting a lot of compliments and it was so good for my self-esteem. And that feeling of being on stage was like nothing I'd ever experienced before. And I was like, I, this has to continue. There's no way I'm stopping this, <laughs> more of this. So that was the start of it. So you said that it did something to your self-esteem. And so what decisions did you make afterwards? That was a re reflection of that confidence that you now had? I entered this uh, talent competition. I was still too afraid to actually like be singing in a contest, but I was a baton twirler back then. <laughs> so I did this like really crazy wild um, baton routine. I had the tech guy turn off the lights at one point so I could make a dramatic thing happen with my light baton with red and white lights on it. It was, it was, it was a whole cool thing. And I, I actually got through to the next level, but then I ended up moving to Toronto because, I mean, I, I had lost both of my parents at that point. And so I, I was distraught. My, there was no grief support. There was no nothing for us. We, it was just like, whatever, go back to college, keep going. And uh, I couldn't. So I was failing things in college. I wasn't doing well, obviously. And my friend was moving here. And so, you know, I was like, hell yes, let's go. <laughs> And uh, I let me get out of here because I was getting no support, really. And the music scene really was booming when I moved there. It was great. And so I got a lot of um, exposure. And it didn't take long before I started actually having a bit of a career. I've read where you've said that perfectionism, anxiety, and the belief of not being good enough often keep us stuck. What has your journey been with coming out of those places? I mean, the big one is perfectionism. And I think they're all kind of tied to <laughs> tied together. Mm -hmm. with that. For me, being gaslit all my life, I was adopted at birth, I was told I was white, papers said I was white. And 
you know, not understanding that I was having racism thrown my way, not understanding anything about, quote, who I am, even though my spirit knew. It put me in a space of not trusting myself, not thinking I'm good enough. So I had to overcompensate, always trying to get things perfect, always trying to get things right. My parents were excited only when I had the good grades. So I was always trying to get those good grades. And that was my way to get the good attention was actually to get good grades and be the nerd or whatever. So that was kind of where the perfectionism started for me. I started to understand, I mean, growing up that we as women are are set up for that. (laughs) Society has totally played us, like set us up for perfectionism. You know, we, you have to wear your makeup a certain way. You have to, if you're too, if you're too heavy, if you're too skinny, if you, you know, you're not wearing the right clothes, you're not smart enough, you're not this enough. And it's like, you're not enough, period. It's just a message that goes through our society and has brainwashed, not even just us women, but everyone else to believe that women have to be perfect. And so that is a thread kind of that runs through pretty much every woman I've ever worked with, as well as myself. I, through the healing journey that I began that day, those couple of years that I was at that healing lodge, put me in a different space where I was willing to look at who I really am and come from that place of being able to just be me, which was so freeing and so kind of foreign to me because I had always tried to fit in. Searching for that sense of belonging. I can't remember the the day or the even the year that this happened, but I believe it was also in my 30s where I just had this moment of, of a, like a revelation of just screw whatever everyone else wants to think about me. And it was really one song called Starlight that came through me, that that was one of the songs I caught for my Spirit Connection album. And when that song came through, it came through in a way that I knew I was going to be criticized by the community, the Indigenous community, because I was already getting flack. Oh, you're singing songs wrong. Oh, you shouldn't be singing these songs out in public. Oh, this, that, and the other thing. Because we, unfortunately, colonization has crab in the bucketed us, basically. So anytime someone in the community starts to get successful, then someone would pull them down. And that's internalized systemic racism. I just made a decision that day because when spirit gives me a song, that's how I sing it. And I was inside parts of me inside going, oh, no, I can't sing it that way. I'm going to get, oh, you know, all that stuff was coming up. I'm like, oh, my goodness. No, that's not happening anymore. I'm done. At that point, I, I just decided I am going to just be me. Ever since that song came through, uh, which is about that, it's about being yourself. It's about being who you are. I've been doing that. And, uh, you know, more and more fully as I find out more about who I am, because I still don't know my whole story even. But I do at a spiritual level. And that's what's important in terms of me expressing myself in the world. I am uh, going out on a limb here and saying that I know a lot of women uh, experience that. And I do too, that self-talk that judges us while we're doing what we love to do. So what advice do you have for us? Breathe. That's the first kind of way in to your voice. And not just breathe, but breathe into your belly because that takes us out of what I call anxiety land and sort of disconnects that I'm not good enough and all those messages that are sort of floating around your head. 
And uh, I have since learned that's actually the middle brain and talking. And when we're up there, we can't access what's good. <laughs> we just can't. We don't have access to it. But when we breathe into our bellies, it brings us home. And then we do have access. It gives us access to our spirit and to spirit at large. It gives us access to our intuition that lives in our body. It gives us access to the truth of who we are. And when you come from that place, you're going to feel more grounded. You're going to know what to say in that moment. And you're going to just have a sort of natural layer of confidence that comes in. Now you're in your body, just being here. Yeah, when we have that level of presence and connection to ourselves, it just brings you into this place, magical place. It is a magical place where, where you can really kind of just say what's on your mind and heart. And you're reaching people from a different place. I mean, I, I teach a little deeper than that, but um, there's a whole sort of set of techniques and practices that I developed over the years of helping women find their voice for the past 20 odd years. But it starts with the breath every time. Brenda, a lot of your focus and, and mission I've read is helping women fill their cup until it's overflowing. So what are some of the things that you do that you encourage women to in, in filling their cup? Really, when it comes down to it is we're always giving, 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 giving. And I remember when I started going to circle in the community, in the indigenous community in Toronto, hearing from a couple of women elders that we need to fill ourselves up first, that we need to take care of ourselves first. And it's hard because a lot of us, especially women, have been conditioned to do the opposite. It's like, no, no, I have to take care of this. No, I have to help you with this. And and then you turn out you're exhausted and you have no nothing left to give for yourself, right? When you think of filling up a cup, it's what are the things that you can do for yourself that make you feel good? I won't sort of sugarcoat that with privilege because not everyone has the privilege to do all of the things they would love to do. And there certainly have been times where I don't. But what I do like to say is to have sort of an intersection between a list of things you love to do and a list of things you find easy to do and make that list have some things on it that are easy, like you don't have to leave your house, you don't have to have money, you don't have to go anywhere, do anything. It's very easy. It's right in front of you. That kind of easy, like light a candle, sit and listen to your favorite song to bring you into a space of feeling home in yourself. And that fills you up, right? And it doesn't have to be like that big trip to Cuba or whatever. We don't have to have all the things. But we do need to have those things happening in our lives that feel good to us. What fills you up is going to be what lights you up. If you notice yourself moving forward and excited in a conversation, that's something that lights you up. Mm. So more of that. That's kind of how I've been living my life since about 2011 when that teaching came through for me and noticing the difference. And what's on your list? What are those things that you, that you find easy to do, but also that you enjoy doing? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's changed for me because mm -hmm. when my son died in 2016, mm -hmm. nothing worked. Mm -hmm. And But I kept going back to the list anyway, because that's my teaching, right? I ingrained it in myself and walked my talk. So that's what I, where I always go is, what would I tell my students? What would I tell my clients, you know, <laughs> in those moments when I can't find myself? So I look at my list, I'm like, oh, wow. And it changed because there were all these things because I have chronic pain now, uh, CPTSD. So there are things that I cannot do 
can't physically do or just don't want to do. And then now there's the pandemic. So things have changed. But and that's what I invite people to do, too, is, you know, don't just leave your list there and, and let it just whatever, like check, check it every now and then and update it. And so for me, things like uh, like singing, that's always going to be on the list. Mm-hmm. That, that unless I lose my voice and that has maybe happened twice in my life <laughs> and uh, otherwise no sing you know hum play with my cat just stand out and and feel the wind on my body I did that mm-hmm. the other day just there's certain times of year when it's just incredible to do that for myself and drumming drumming is another one that I kind of have to take a little bit off the list right now for fun because I'm doing so much of it for practice so it's you know it's adjusting as you go along and just the little things um, Mm -hmm. that light me up and, and talking to my daughter, you know, there's a lot of those, a lot of those very simple things. You refer to anxiety land and how so many of us uh, carefully listen to the messages there for our listeners who can't see you point to your head. How would you describe anxiety land? It's like you're carrying around this cloud of of um, negative messages about yourself, beliefs, limiting beliefs, thoughts that will keep you held back, fears, and and of course, yes, anxiety. Because when you think about anxiety, even if you don't actually have the condition called anxiety, the moments that we get anxious, it's like we spiral up. That energy just gets up, 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 up. We're not taking full breaths. All of a sudden, we're we're breathing into like way above our chest, not even our chest. And we are holding our breath sometimes. Um, trauma and grief make you tighten up and hold your breath or just not breathe very, like very deeply at all. And then before you know it, yeah, you're up here with all up into your head with all the thoughts. Mm-hmm. And it just feeds into itself. And that's because our, our brains love to keep us in the familiar. <laughs> so that's why we always return to that quote, comfort zone, which I like to call discomfort zone. That's why it's hard for us to change and do new things. And why people are freaking out in this pandemic, especially, honestly, especially those who have never experienced trauma. Brenda, you know, part of your mission is as I've read and listened to is also just helping women reclaim their voice. So how can we all encourage other women and girls to to confidently use their voice and claim their power? Number one is having our own voice. Number two is be the voice for you. And through that, open up that pathway, open, hold space for those who don't have that voice to have their voice, to be heard. And that's where I think a lot of times the message is lost. It's not about giving a voice or being a voice uh, for a group of people or for an individual. It's about empowering them with their own voice. I do that through my Sing Yourself Alive program and through my Sing Yourself Alive drumming circles to help people, women to open up and, and singing. Singing is just the most beautiful, natural thing that all of us can do. As long as you have vocal cords that work, you can sing. And most people will tell me I can't sing, I sound terrible and all. And that's that anxiety land stuff. That's those internalized messages. And everyone truly can sing. That beautiful voice is in there for a reason. And when we sing, it actually activates the vagus nerve too. So it 
calms our nervous system. It helps you to be present. It tunes your body. It warms you up. There are so many good things about singing. And then on top of it, yes, it brings your voice in more powerfully. And then when you start talking after you've been singing, it sounds different, it feels different, and you're in a different place. We all have a voice and we can have our voices heard, but find your way to really fall in love with your voice. I love that. Thank you so much for this time that you've spent with us. And just thank you for just the ways in which you've used your own story to empower others. And so thank you for being with us today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Real pleasure talking with both of you. And I look forward to when this comes out and all women can really have a voice. That's what I really look forward to. (laughs) Brenda, thank you. You made so many truly important points. I love your advice to fall in love with our own voice, because I can't imagine there are a lot of women for whom that's true. And also, Yodita and I are thrilled that you are talking about women finding their voice and using their voice because sayitforward.org was established just for that reason. So any woman, any girl, anywhere can share her stories, unedited, unfiltered, however she wants to use her voice in that way. Now, remind our listeners that while you were speaking to us and sharing your spoken word that they really should visit your website or your YouTube channel and listen to your songs because your singing is just magnificent. So thank you so much, Brenda. Thank you, Yodit, always for sharing your voice with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we also thank Lisa DeJavine, who is the co-producer and editor of the Power of Stories podcast. Brenda, is there something you'd like to say to leave with our listeners? A lot of the reason that we have a hard time finding our voice is to do with trauma. It's to do with grief. Women have come and said, why do I have a lump in my throat when I go to sing? And that's what that is. So when we let ourselves come down into our bodies and and start to sing, it will bring up tears. It will bring up emotion when you go there. And that's what you want. Because when you bring those tears, that's the medicine that will bring you your voice. And to our listeners, we invite you to visit sayitforward.org, a place where you are welcome to share one or more stories about your unique path to empowerment or you can read the stories of other women and girls. This is Sharon Catherine D'Agostino and Yodit Kifle-Smith signing off for now and hoping you'll join us for our next episode of the Power of Stories podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we do hope you'll give us a review and recommend the Power of Stories to a friend. And lastly, we want to remind you of the power of your story.